Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome in to one of these years, our Detroit Lions podcast. I'm Chris Burke, joined by Nick Baumgartner. We have just wrapped up uh, 19 days of watching the Lions at practice and scrimmages and everything else. And uh, how many, uh, how much weight did you drop this week, Nick, sitting out there in the heat? What day was that? Tuesday, I oh. think, was like the hottest day of camp. Right, like officially, I think it was. It was like a hundred and it was bad. Two or yeah, three on the real 100. field, and on the field it was probably like a hundred and twenty. I don't know. It was crazy. So I, I, <laughs> uh, pretty bad, pretty bad. You also mentioned yesterday you're like, I don't think I've eaten lunch in the last. Three weeks. <laughs> yeah, they kept practicing true. at like twelve thirty, yeah, so it was right. like too early to eat when I got there, and then we'd stand out in the hundred degree heat, and by the end, yeah. it's like I need to get out of here. I just want to go to sleep. Yeah, I right. always wonder. <laughs> I always wonder what the players and coaches think, though. And like, oh. like Tuesday, Wednesday, we're out there sweating, and just we're just standing. Yeah. I mean, they're actually working. It, like right. Tuesday yeah. was a full two hours in pads in a hundred yep. and Horrible whatever, and the media is all like, there was one corner of the practice facility where like <laughs> one <shade>. building <laughs> was blocking out the sun, so there's a little shade, and all of us are huddled over there. And I wonder. <laughs> Like how soft they they think we are. They oh, they already know full well. They probably also saw our punt competition. Oh, media. not good. You <laughs> so, got you got a hold of one. The media. I got is, one uh, decent one. Yeah. And then I missed the other one. I kicked the other one off my shin. It hurt more than it did anything else. Yeah, they did that with us uh, at the end of camp in 2019, uh, and then we obviously didn't really get a chance right. to do much last year. But uh, I've been trying to argue for the. You, you seem to think it's a terrible idea. I've been trying to argue for a couple minutes on the jugs to see uh, who could no. haul. <laughs> yeah, that's going to just injure someone. Like, that's going to, like, just her break hands. Shout out to Will Birchfield, by the way. I mean, but I don't the, think any of us could have uh, caught a pass on the jug. Maybe if we were, like, 100 yards away. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like, like the punt contest could have injured someone. I thought somebody's yes. back or knee or something yes. was going to go. When they, when they first said <laughs> we're going to do a punt contest, I was like, they're not going to make us catch a punt, are they? I'm like, that's going to, like... <laughs> Oh, that's my a good one. There you go. It could do that one too. <laughs> but but no, uh, Jack yeah, Fox boom a couple to you. Um, oh God, jeez. <laughs> well, so we wanted to we we pushed back the podcast a couple days this week yeah. so we could recap. Uh, we like I said, we're we're done with our full availability now. It's they shift into regular season mode, which for us means we get like 15 minutes, 20 minutes at the start of practice where they're just going through positional work. And then as soon as they start stretching and getting into their actual practice, they kick us out <laughs> and we get our, our access with the players and coaches either before or after. But that, this is we're done with watching the practices all the way through. So, um, like I said, we had OTAs and minicamp and now 19 days of training camp to be out there and observe everything and we can get into kind of the nitty gritty here, but just general thoughts on kind of how it went and if they survived not having joint practices. <laughs> it got a little chippy well, at the yeah. end. And uh, just what your thoughts are on how, how training camp unfolded? I understand why they didn't have the joint practices, but I also kind of thought as we went through it, like, man, it would have been nice 
to maybe see some of that. I think that generally speaking on the positive side of things, like we were actually talking about this the other day, all of the rookies um, to this point have done something in camp where you were like, okay, I get it. Like I see where, where they're going with that, including um, Melifonwu yesterday, or maybe it was the day before, I should say, when they were in pads last time, I noticed, I was like, well, he is come a long way. He looks a lot better uh, in terms of just where he's at in coverage. Um, you know, how he's using the sideline. They talk about that a ton. Uh, Aubrey Pleasant does with those guys and Aaron Glenn does as well. He looked a lot better. And then I got to thinking about it. I'm like, really all of them to this point, I think we would agree, Chris, have done something that is either proven why they were drafted or in a lot of cases, they've, you know, either flashed more than we thought or right along about what we expected, which is, you know, it could be worse. <laughs> yeah, how right. I would say, right? We've seen worse. So right. from that standpoint, I, I think that's been pretty good so far. You're right on Melifonwu because he was the one at the start of camp where, are you, and even especially back in like rookie minicamp where you were watching, yeah. oh, yeah. was back like, in, yep. oh, this is going to be a while. Like yeah. this is, he's going to need some time here. And that was when, you know, we were thinking they might play him as a kind of safety cornerback hybrid or given, they started to give him a little bit of, a look in the slot, and it was just, I think it was all just coming at him too fast at that point. Oh, yeah, but big time. now, like you said, I mean, this week, Jeff Okuda was limited with uh, whatever. I mean, they, they keep saying they're just kind of resting him. It sounds like some sort of minor injury, but, um, right. and so they had Malafonmu playing up with the ones on defense, and it didn't really look that out of place. And I think what's interesting is, you know, you obviously can kind of see what they're doing. With the types of cornerbacks they want, like when it's Melifonu and Oruwariye on the outside, mm-hmm. you're probably going to give some stuff up over the top, just like you will, I think, still with Okuda. But those are big guys that can cover yeah. a lot of ground, a lot uh, of ground and make up. Yeah. You know, you don't have to be right in a receiver's hip for one of those guys to make a play. We saw Oruwariye pop out a couple balls on uh, Wednesday at that last practice, and yeah, I think Melifonu is starting to settle in a little bit both the defensive linemen look have looked really good when they've been in there i mean really good mcneil's been great since day one when he showed up but owns a right you can see why he was drafted higher you can see why they're so excited about him because they're moving him around everywhere and he has been beating offensive linemen from Mm -hmm. every single alignment they put him in he's getting into the backfield we've talked a lot about barnes you just wrote about him i mean i if it's not this year, by next yeah. year, he might be – I mean, he could be calling plays on defense by next year, I think, if everything yeah. goes Wouldn't according to plan. Wouldn't surprise me at all. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you know, you got to be feeling pretty good about where you're at with the defensive players. And then, you know, obviously Sewell's been good. St. Brown's been really good. Um, the one that is interesting is Jermar Jefferson to me because at the start of camp, it really looked like he was locked in as the number three guy. Yeah. And I don't know that that's the case anymore. Deuce Staley even said yesterday, like, this is still pretty wide open. And they've had Craig Reynolds came in. They like, you know, Godwin Iguabuke scored a touchdown uh, last week. So that one, I'm curious to see what happens there. Because I still like Jefferson's skill set in this offense, especially quite a bit. But mm-hmm. they've done a nice job finding some guys around him uh, to compete there. Yeah, I think and also you heard Campbell talk about how you know, what What does the roster really need in certain situations if you keep a guy like Cabinda, which it seems like they're going to, um, and that maybe if you go somewhere and you take just Swift and Williams and Cabinda's your third back that day. I mean, that could also be something uh, where they get to. But either way, no, I mean, Jefferson, I guess, would be one guy who got hurt. 
and that sort of slowed his progress. But you're right. I mean, he showed stuff. He was the first one to show anything, really. I mean, and when they yeah. put pads on, I mean, he was the first rookie that really was like, okay, wow, that was uh, he did a couple things, right? So, um, I think that progress slowed for him. But I don't think you want to. I don't think you want to lose him yet. You know, I, I for whatever that would be a tough one to um, to give up on. But I mean, I guess to Deuce's point, like. They really like Craig Reynolds a lot. I think they like as much how he handled the situation they threw him in, which was insane as anything else. But like, it seems like they like <laughs> right. they like just like him, so they want to give him another look. I would still probably think that that's Jefferson if he's healthy. But if he's not healthy, then I guess you know it's a different conversation. But um, yeah, that could be interesting for sure. Uh, the one thing, and we actually have one or two questions about this that we can get to at the end of the, the uh, podcast, but. Um, the thing I think people have wanted to know, other than like how Jared Goff's looked and how the rookies have looked, what they want to know above all else is how the coaches have looked and how this has gone compared to what Matt Patricia yeah. had in place last year. And um, and that's been interesting, too. I mean, I, I don't think we need to rehash that the atmosphere is more positive and more chipper right. and, and everything like that. But uh, in terms of what this team needed to accomplish, you know, Campbell said however many months ago that they tried to get joint practices scheduled. They couldn't do it. And, you know, Mm -hmm. it, it probably didn't hurt them a ton. Like you said, to just be working on their own stuff, but you know, you do miss some opportunities and especially with the starters, not really playing in the preseason, like teams have really used those joint practices in place of preseason games for the most part. Like that's where you get your first team defense, your first team offense, your starting quarterback, like that's where you're getting looks at a live opponent. And, you know, Jared yeah. Goff's going to go into the season having seen, what, it, what was series. it, two series with, uh, you know, limited offensive weapons around him. So I think they probably did miss out, and I'm sure they'll have one on the schedule next year. But uh, in terms of the coaching staff, did they accomplish what they needed to accomplish over the past, you know, month here in Allen Park? It's a really good question, and it's hard uh, to answer it because there's been guys that have been they have had some frustration with stops and starts with injuries and I think that there are some spots where you look at and, and they're going to tell themselves that we needed to get that position group further along than we got them like, but at the same time I mean this is what I was going to ask you like the vibe from the building and the players and everything else you know, a month into this, still seems like, to me, that they're all here for it. And you were here during the Patricia camp, uh, the first one. Mm-hmm. I mean, compare and contrast <laughs> a little bit for us, because for me, what, to answer your question, so much of it is about, were you able to keep all the guys um, on board with you? I mean, because in a first regime, like, believe it or not, in modern times, you could lose them early, as we've seen. So, I mean, like, in some ways... I don't think they probably did get everything that they wanted, but in other ways, part of me thinks they did. But I am curious to see, you know, from your experience, but uh, polar opposites here, what what you'd compare and contrast it with. Yeah, I I was trying to think back in my head as we were watching, especially like the uh, like the dog days. Yeah, yeah, especially those last couple practices and the padded one on Tuesday when, like we said, it was a hundred and however many degrees. They were, Mm -hmm. you know, two hours in, they're in full pads and they're doing like. A special teams tra- tackling drill, yeah. And horrible. I was just trying to right. I was just trying right. to go through in my mind like the reaction to that versus 
you know, Matt Patricia's first camp where they maxed out every single day. And then at mm-hmm. the end, they were running the hill uh, yeah. and doing sprints. And I rem- it was like three days into that camp and there were already columns from <laughs> unnamed local media <laughs> folks asking like it. I remember somebody asked Patricia in one of the press conferences, are you working these guys too hard? And Patricia looked like he wanted to stab that person in the face. <laughs> and so I was just trying to compare it to what Campbell did, you know, like, yeah, right. Is exactly. this way different or does it just feel different? Cause everyone's in a better mood. And I think right. it's a little of both. Probably. I still think they, they had a couple days like Monday, they practiced for like what forty minutes, thirty five yeah, minutes. It was just the guys who yeah. didn't play in Pittsburgh yeah. mostly. Uh, so they had a couple days like that where they really, really dialed it back. But when they were in pads and when they wanted to get some stuff done, like they went hard for two hours and uh, accomplished a lot out there. So I, I think that that's you look at how the rookies have settled in. You look at some of the stuff kind of clicking. With the defense especially, and I, I think they probably did accomplish a lot of what they wanted to accomplish. Yeah. I I don't know how ready they are for week one. Well, right. That's, <laughs> yeah. That's a separate conversation, really. I mean, how much do you think, though, that – because mentioned, Goffton hasn't really played – like, and that Deuce Staley just brought this up, and Dan Campbell brought it up. Like, the thing they're worried about with DeAndre Swift is, A, conditioning, well, but, yeah. B, he hasn't taken snaps with Jared Goff, really, in, like – Three yes. weeks. That and is important. <laughs> Tyrell right. Williams has been in and out of the lineup. Hawkinson missed some time. Rashad Perriman's like kind of back. Uh, you know, the offensive line, the one bonus they've had is that the offensive line's basically stayed healthy. And Jamal mm-hmm. Williams has been back there. But otherwise, you know, they have been mixing and matching wide receivers and tight ends and, and running backs through this whole thing. So I think there's reason to be worried about what that's going to look like in week yes. one because these guys just haven't played together. That is fair. And, you know, when Campbell said he was worried about Swift um, the other day, and then Deuce said it too uh, just yesterday on Wednesday, I think, uh, he got asked the same question. And he kind of paused for a minute and thought about it, and he said he was concerned about Swift. And it was mostly for the same things that you just said there, the latter part. The, um, you know, he hasn't worked with golf. You know, he hasn't been out there for enough, you know, live stuff in structure here with Anthony Lynn. But I also wondered, you know, like uh, Swift missed some time in camp last year, too. Seemed to be just fine uh, when <laughs> when it was time to go. And maybe Campbell was like, you got to get back out of here, man. Like, are you hurt or are you injured? I wondered if there was some of that, too. But it was just in a different way, right? Like, I mean, Campbell, it's not – he he's not going to stop himself – I don't think from challenging guys, but he doesn't do it in like a disrespectful way. This all sort of ties back with the original thing we talked about the staff, but like it's been interesting to sort of note that and watch that. I, I think that there's right and reason to be concerned about him because not number one, he has to get himself back in shape. Number two, all the things you just talked about, but at the same time, he's the most talented player. Like Anthony Lynn said yesterday, he's like, he's a first round talent. He's the most talented player they have on offense. I think he knows that. <laughs> and I think maybe there may have been some days, possibly, where he was like, I'm not going to push it. And maybe he didn't need to. But now at this point in camp, you know, maybe he does. And maybe that's maybe that's part of the conversation. 
Yeah, and Hawkinson, you know, TJ Hawkinson, I mentioned him being in and out, and uh, he's been working a lot with Jared Goff. There's obviously a pretty good rapport there. And Hawkinson, uh, you know, I asked him after one of the practices, like, do you need to play in a game or be out there for extra reps? And he said, well, you know, we didn't have preseason last year, uh, and I did pretty well. (laughs) So I think, like, (laughs) some of these guys you know are going to show up on some days and be fine. Uh, But I do think just because of what this – what this offense is going to have to look like, I think it's going to take some time to settle in because it's not going to be like, hey, Tyrell Williams, just go win against this guy one-on-one and we'll throw you the ball. It's going to be, you know, we got to put St. Brown in motion and we got to have both backs on the field and we got to have the throws got to come out right here. It's got to be a lot of very precise stuff that I don't know how that's going to look right out of the gate. But um, like I said, I think the defense – you know, they've had some injuries, too. We I mentioned in Observations Wednesday, Michael Brockers played, like, one snap at the start of a, at the start of an 11-on-11 seg- session Wednesday and then came back in for one snap at the start of an 11-on-11 session. That's pretty much been all we've seen That's him it. do in, in those full team sessions that aren't walkthroughs. And so, you know, he is – if he's healthy, he's probably going to play a lot. Uh, it sounds like Deshaun Hand's going to be out for a while now. Yeah, uh, Nick Williams missed some time. Uh, Anzarike missed time. I mean, it's the same issue up front there to some degree. But otherwise, they've more or less had the 10 or 11 starters in place mm-hmm. for all of camp. And so I think that the defense might just be a little bit ahead of the offense in terms of you know figuring out what this is going to look like. Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. I mean, it, it definitely seems like they've grown more. Um, even as individuals, if you want to part it all the way down, but it's still not without its, you know, we're watching tackling drills yesterday and watching Arby Pleasant about throw his hat into the sideline when Will Harris, you know, (laughs) let a guy lose, he lost outside leverage and let the guy cut back inside again. And it's like, there are still things that are showing up, but I think to your point, by and large, you know, and then Will Harris makes a, damn near picks a pass off in the end zone later in practice, right? So, like, there are things that are happening there that uh, you can see with some guys that are growing. Some guys know, and we'll talk about that in a second. (laughs) But, like, I think if you look across the roster, uh, even with some guys like you mentioned, like, Levi has been hurt, but, like, he's looked pretty good when they got him out there healthy again. Barnes was hurt, looked pretty good when they got him healthy again. So, like, guys are coming back and still hanging in there. So, yeah, I mean, there was obviously a lot more room to grow for the defense because they were so bad. But, like, I feel like they've definitely gotten better. I don't think anybody would be able to argue otherwise on that one uh, in camp, for sure. I don't know about offense, but defensively, I think they've certainly gotten better. Yeah, I mean, offensively, I would ask you, like, your impressions of Goff, just like, here we go. I mean, what are they at this point? Because what we've seen some days, you can see it. And what we've seen some some days, uh, it's... It's Jared Goff, the guy that we've watched the last couple of years here. Well, I was going to say, that's kind of what the scouting report is anyway, right? Like, some yeah. of the stuff he's going to do really well. Probably so. And then, I think, a, a few things stand out for me. One is Mark Brunel talked about how he didn't know Jared Goff's arm was as strong as he thinks it is now, having seen it live. Which, to me, is... Mm-hmm. That's another one of those things where I'm still trying to adjust because we've watched Stafford mm. for 12 yeah, years, I and know. now you watch Goff, and it's like, well, that was... That looked like he threw it underhanded, and it's like, (laughs) you know, and then, but he's still. I understand what he's saying, though. Yeah, and he still has some throws where he he had one, uh, 
I think it was yesterday, the day before, we ripped one like over Reeves Maben to Hawkinson yep. in front of a yep. safety. Like a really yep. good tight window throw. Uh, he threw one. He had another uh, one over Melifondo in the corner that was really good, too. And he threw one to Swift yesterday in uh, up the seam, like back shoulder, where Anzalone was coverage yeah. pretty good. Anzalone just had no chance to get to the ball because of where he placed it. So he th- mm-hmm. makes some throws where it looks legit. And I think if you get Tyrell Williams in there and you get Rashad Perriman in there, maybe there are some chances to get the ball down the field. That was the plan all along. We haven't seen a lot of that because either because of golf or the blocking or the play calls or the receivers yeah. being out or whatever, but there might be some opportunities to do that. I think he's looked really good to Hawkinson. I think he's looked good finding the running backs. We have talked about it pretty much every day we've been out there. There are several moments every practice where you're just like, you got to pick up the pace on this process yeah. a little bit, man, because yeah. <laughs> she gets stuck back there. You know, that first read is gone. He takes forever to find the second and third read, and he's not really getting out of the pocket unless it's designed for him to get out of the pocket. When he's run, it's been, you know, play action where he's rolling anyway, and he doesn't have anything, so he goes. But if he's in the pocket and there's nothing open, he's pretty much just staying in the pocket, and (laughs) you're either going to get sacked or throw it into trouble there. And so those are the moments I worry about. Uh, for him as we get to the regular season because you can see there are going to be some plays where he's going to get sped up and for the Lions sake you just worry what the end results of those plays are going to be yeah because you want him to be in a pocket you don't want him running around because he can't (laughs) that's the one thing like you don't want him improving on the move I mean you can boot him off of uh, outside zone play action and things like that and they will but you want him to be able to be confident in his arm to make the throws that like Chris just talked about. There's a, there's a couple every day that he makes that to Brunel's point, you're like, yeah, that's a first round. That's a first round pick with the arm. You know, he makes the wide hash throws, you know, the deep outs, he can do all that stuff. Um, I'm not, not convinced that he can't take some of those deeper shots down the middle, but like the difference Aside from the fact that Stafford's arm is just, you know, in the 99.9 percentile of arm strength, the biggest difference is that Stafford's confidence in his arm is like 5,000% higher than Goff's. Absolutely. Goff has like zero still. Like that's what I have noticed from him out there most days where it's like there are the days where he makes a couple of those really nice throws. And then there's a couple other times where where you're saying, Chris, like he's in the pocket and he's got somebody like on a deep route, one on one, and he doesn't take it. Like it's like take a chance, man. Like you might surprise yourself, and we and he doesn't do it, and it ends up being the thing where we see Pat, Pat, Pat throw it out of bounds or whatever. And that's the reason why you know the Rams thing fell apart. But it's also something that we're just I don't know if we're gonna be able to fully see it until he gets out there in a game because like he that's for him to overcome, I think. You know, I really do. I think that there's and, you know, people aren't wrong when when you design a passing concept in the NFL I and mean, you can look at every single one of them. They're all different, but like they're all the same to a degree. You've got an underneath route. You've got a mid route. And you've got a deep one on every single thing you do. So once in a while, <laughs> you've got to take chances to keep people honest. And if he can't do that, it's going to be a very frustrating year. So, you know, that to me is where it's at with golf. It's like, where's his confidence and and is it going to get better? Because right now I'm having a hard time seeing that. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I think a lot of it's going to come down to 
what Anthony Lane can draw up here. Because you mentioned yeah. those deep shots. Like That's going to have to be the first read. They have to design it so the ball is going deep because he's not going to. I mean, right, exactly. when you're watching those plays unfold in practice, and again, it's not really fair, I don't think, probably to compare him to Stafford because they're, no, dope, they're different quarterbacks, yeah. they have different arms. But of course, there are plays out there still where I, I will be watching and, you know, you'll see a deep route develop late or you'll see something where he's rolling out. There's a receiver comes open on the backside. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, well, that, you know, find that guy and throw the ball. Throw and it. that's yeah, not right. not not going to that's just not going to happen. Right now with Jared Goff. With Stafford, those were like those were where you automatically looked on some of those plays. Like if he got yeah, out of the pocket, you're, you're looking to the whoever's running the deepest route. If he's out of the right. pocket, whoever's the deepest is getting the ball. Or like Yeah, you know, the thing where he like braces his body to like yeah, gathers right. his feet under him or whatever. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and so it's just gonna be a, a, a different I mean, I think we knew yes. it all along, but it's gonna be different. And I think you're you're gonna see when we get into the regular season. Jared Goff is going to be fine with if you have a first and 10 pass and nothing's open and he can get you to second and eight by throwing one underneath, that's what he's going to do. So maybe that works with this team. Maybe if they can, I mean, the, the trick there is, as I said, if he can be that there's a thin line between being a game manager, quote unquote, and just well, right. turning the ball over all the time, you know, like and getting stuck and getting in trouble. So I think that if he can manage the game and get you a little three, four yard chunks when there's nothing open, that's OK. But if it's if he's getting stuck in the pocket and he's panicking and throwing it to whoever is the closest to him, I mean, we saw it. We've seen it. Linebackers, cornerbacks, they're going to start jumping some of these and taking them back the other way. Right, and this is why game managers don't work in the NFL and do work in college because in college you have uh, rosters where talents, talent levels are imbalanced, and here you don't because sometimes you need – there's a thin line between being a game manager and a guy who doesn't do enough to go get the job done when it's time to go get the job done. Like that's – you know, when you talked to the thing, it was a great point about – we're not going to see the improv shots that Stafford will come out of. But right now, what concerns me more is that we're not seeing in structure him taking what we would even call like, there are times where it's like, I don't even know if I'd call that a chance. That's just a, you know, it's a, it's a throw, make the throw. It's a, you know, it's not careless. It's, that's a deep shot. You've got to keep people honest. You've got to do more than just check the ball down. And like that, you know, that, and maybe that's just what they're working on. I don't know. Right. We've seen pretty much everything though. So it's hard to say otherwise. And it's just one of those things where you can't realistically exist in the NFL asking your offense to go 18 plays, 75 yards every time. You're just not going to be able to do it. I mean, it's just not going to be a thing that works. So He's going to have to get him out of jams. He's going to have to get him out of spots. That's what quarterbacks in this league do. And um, that's where the confidence things going to come into. And that's going to be the big question and the one that sort of tells his story here, I think. Well, let's transition over a little bit. We got uh, final cuts coming up on Tuesday. Um, they got to get rid of 27 more guys, guys here. Yeah. So um, uh, let's not. We'll have a roster projection up after the final preseason game, so sure. we won't give away everything here. But let's kind of talk through 
where we think there might be spots still available against the Colts and into this weekend because Dan Campbell said, someone asked him how close they were, and he said, well, we probably know about 80% of what this final roster is going to be. And so you just right. do the math, and there's you know maybe 10, 12 yeah, somewhere spots there. available. Uh, so where do we think those are? <laughs> Which positions are still up for grabs here as they get into the preseason finale? Well, uh, receiver seems to be yes. <laughs> at least completely unspoken for uh, at this point outside of, you know, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown and, Brown and Khalif Raymond and I guess Tyrell Williams. But, like, that in general seems to be uh, completely up in the air still. Um, some stuff, uh, the third tight end, right? Um, some of the backup offensive line stuff. I, and then again, like, you flip it to their side and it's like, your linebackers beyond the starting two, and you know that Barnes is going to be part of that conversation, and Reeves Maben is probably going to be a special teamer. So that's still what else do you do beyond that? And then do you make any other changes? You know, in your secondary, which maybe does that involve? Do you have to cut deeper somewhere else than you want to because you want to add more players to help the roster? And that's I think ultimately because that's what we're going to be talking about here. I think when it comes right down to it is are they going to add more or are they going to go with what they've got and just cut the obvious kind of 10 or 12 guys that we're we're talking about here yeah i mean receiver's the one that's been interesting for a while now and you know i tweeted out something wednesday night uh like well i think the lions should hang on to quintus cephas i don't know if he's mm-hmm. someone you can cut and people seem genuinely surprised that i even mentioned him as a possible cut but like you said after those top three, yeah. like Tyrell Williams is going to be your one. St. Brown's here. Khalif Freeman's been one of the best players in camp. So those are three. Yeah. We're going to take five. Probably. I don't think you're carrying six receivers on no. this team. So you're Not taking five. I'd still think they'd prefer to have Rashad Perriman's skill set there if he can do anything at all. We haven't seen <laughs> any of it. But I think they still would like to have the bigger vertical threat on the outside. Uh, and then you have Cephas, who's been solid and can play inside out. And you have Tom Kennedy, who's led them in receiving the first two weeks. And Javon McKinley. I mean, there's like mm-hmm. four or five guys for two spots here. And I don't think any of it's set yet. So this no, this is one where maybe this last preseason game does win somebody a job. I think it could. And I think that Brashad Perriman... Uh, yeah, I where mean, do you stand on him? Do you think he's in? What do you think's happening with him? I, I wouldn't today... I mean, if it was, I, I don't know what they're going to do, though. You know, like, I think that you said it. Anthony Lid clearly prefers body type-wise, skill set-wise. That's why they brought him in here. You know, Perriman's what he can give you. And Tom Kennedy, for all that he's done in camp, which is sort of speaks to where this football theme is, right? That he's been able to be the leading <laughs> receiver in camp. Yeah, right. Um, You know, other than being a guy who can give you a lot on special teams and, you know, maybe give you something here and there in a game. Can he give you enough to to hold a spot over someone like Pyramid? But also, if you're Dan Campbell and you're preaching to your team, like, you know, there's no favors out here. Everybody's out here doing their own thing. Like, how is Pyramid still on the team? If, if that's what we're talking about and Kennedy's at home. Like, so those are conversations too, I guess, that probably have to be had, but also the NFL's the NFL. And if it's this guy can run a 4-3 and he's six foot whatever, and you're not, then maybe that's what it comes down to. I don't know. But he certainly hasn't done enough to earn a roster spot. I don't think anybody would argue that. He hasn't been healthy. And even when he was healthy, we haven't seen anything. So 
No idea there, but then that's only one of the things that you're talking about. Because like, there's still another, <laughs> there's still another. Even if right. they kept Barrowman, yeah, who knows? It's not, it's not a battle of like, man, like they've got eight great receivers who are duking it out. It's like, no, they're looking for like two and a half that are like <laughs> dependable, and they've got two that they like a lot in Raymond and Amon Ross St. Brown, but like they're kind of the same guy, number one, and like. That's it. So they're both unproven too. I don't know. It's been a been an adventurous camp for the receiver core here. Uh, yeah, the health and everything else. And that's why I say I think that they'd still like to have Perriman's body type, skill set for the top unit because, and maybe it's McKinley. I mean, McKinley gives you some of that stuff too. Maybe he's the guy yeah. who surprises everyone and uh, and, and wins a job. But when they don't have Perriman out there, their top Three has been Tyrell Williams, Khalif Raymond, and Amon Rice St. Brown with either St. Brown or Khalif Raymond then having to play outside, on the yeah. outside, which St. Brown can do it, but it's not his best spot. And Khalif Raymond can do it, but he's 5'8", if we're he's being tiny. generous. Yeah, right. uh, and so maybe he he can get you one of those deep shots, but I don't know that he's going to go get off press coverage if he's playing Ooh. outside. Uh, and so I think you still would prefer to have someone like Perriman. Maybe Cephas is that guy. I mean, he's a That's what physical. I was wondering. Um, if that's, yeah. But if you go back, like when we were in, when we were in OTAs and stuff, we were talking about, that was sort of the first time we looked at this roster and looked at what they were doing at receiver and said, well, I don't know if Cephas fits here anymore like this is not yeah right exactly the type of player that they have been looking for at receiver and so i i don't know i mean it is it's also one of those spots where you mentioned kind of trying to read between the lines on the deandre swift comment from dan campbell been trying to read between the lines on you know campbell said twice just this week that wide receiver room's up for grabs. Is he trying mm-hmm. to get into brashad perriman's head a little bit there that he needs to, has to be. do something and then he made the comment uh, yeah. Wednesday, like has to be. Yeah, we want to reward guys who have played well and who have produced, but you also can't build your team. There's just some guys who are really good here, and you know they physically won't be able to do it, and it it it's not fair to them, and it hurts, and all those things because they've done everything you asked, but you just can't build your whole team off guys who are physically limited, and so. Mm-hmm. Is that Tom Kennedy? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, I'm trying to read between the lines on who he's talking about here because I think there are going to be there are some of these guys who have played well in camp in the preseason. Tavante Beckett's another one. Like he's yeah. been great, but great. Campbell also said we got to get him like into the weight room for a year. <laughs> so right. Uh, I mean, I think they what receiver. Receiver to me is going right down to the wire on Tuesday before they figure out what they're doing there. I think Campbell is definitely like begging Brashad Berriman to do right. something yeah. here in this last because part of that I think is um, no coach in the world uh, of sports likes to cut anybody, of course. They all hate it. But like he is like every time someone mentions the word cut in that media tent, Campbell like does a full body cringe. Like invo- he hates It's like. He is miserable. Like, I can't... For people that weren't there the day that he had... And obviously, Mulebox, a different situation. But he was like... you. I mean, Chris, you were there. He was... 
completely like miserable. Up. It was yeah. the most uncomfortable. Legitimately choked up. That Yeah, the most uncomfortable we've seen him. And I would also say to you guys that the day before, when they were clearly mulling over that, he also looked like he was completely uncomfortable. And, like, it's definitely something that he is, the cuts and everything in general, are definitely something I think he's still adjusting to as a coach. But, yeah, I think they're begging Perriman, like, man... I don't want to look at Tom Kennedy and tell him you're cut because you've done nothing and you get a spot because you're faster than him. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I'm going to maybe have to do that and it's going to suck. I don't, you know, but I think right now more of it's like, hey man, could you like finish strong here please and justify the fact that we brought you in here and paid you $2 million? I think most of it's about that. Right yeah. Because reality is reality on Kennedy. I mean like, if you keep him, what are you getting? You know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, he's done this before in camp, right? Like he's... Looked like this before. It's not the first time. So, I, yeah, and I, I mean, know. I think some of the conversation there is, I guess, one of the benefit of having the roster in the shape that it's in is that if you, the twenty-seven guys you cut on Tuesday, are probably not going to drum up a ton of interest around the league. So, if you want to cut someone and then bring him back to the practice squad. You might have a chance to do that, even with Tom Kennedy playing well. Maybe you could do that with Tom Kennedy. Prashad Perriman, if you cut him, he's gonna he's gone. He'll be on the he'll be yeah. out that day and won't look back. So that's probably part of the conversation too. Um, I don't. I mentioned Beckett. You said as you said, I think there probably are four of those off-ball linebacker spots locked up: uh, mm-hmm. Anzalone, Collins, Barnes, and uh, Reeves Maven. So. Does Jelani Tabai get in there? Does one of these young guys get in, or do they just go with four because of the type of defense that they're playing? Where they're, you know, they have yeah. the two outside backers are Okora and Flowers, and they're going to be in nickel and dime all the time anyway. So, right? Do you need? I mean, a lot of that's the special teams discussion too, because that's a yes. position where you probably would like to carry some guys who can help you on special teams. But I don't know. I don't know what happens beyond those top four, and I think Jelani Tavai is the one we've talked about the most over the last month. I would say if Tavai makes the team, um, it would be solely because he's earned it through special teams. Because I don't know how you play him on defense. I don't know what he's giving you. You know, I don't know with what Aaron Glenn wants to do defensively. You know, I, I just I don't know what he's giving you that somebody like Pittman wouldn't give you maybe better. You know, um, and that's just the honest truth of it. I mean, like, if he makes the team, it'll be because they trust him more. And, you know, they it's notable on, I want to say, Tuesday when they were still in pads, full pads anyway, this week. Um, he was on, like, every single team, uh, special teams team, Tobai was. He was on punt. Uh, he was on punt return. He was on kickoff, kick return. I mean, he was on all of them. So if he's like a guy that they're like, he's a savvy special teams guy and we don't have enough of those and we want to keep him for that. That's what he'll, his role will be not ideal for a second round pick, but at this point, I don't know how else he makes the team because if it's strictly about, we want him to be part of the linebacking court. No, the answer has to be no, he's not, it's not going to work with what they want, you know, to happen here. Um, you can't have an inside linebacker in this defense that can only play on first down, right? He just, it, it and there's nothing else. And I don't even know, how well we're talking about him playing on first right. down. He doesn't point, play. Right? That's, so, that's the thing. He doesn't even I mean, play well on just, those spots. Right. So. so, I mean, I would ask you the same thing. I mean, I think he has to be cut, but I understand why maybe they haven't yet. And I understand why maybe, you know, maybe Tavai is one of the last guys cut. Maybe they say, we're going to wait until the last possible second with you because we're going to make sure we give every opportunity 
we can uh, before we have to make a decision. But I get all that, but I just don't see a way that he's on this team other than, unless they're desperate for another special teams ace. And I don't know that he is a special teams ace. You know, I, I don't know that. He's not Reeves Maben. So no. I mean, what are we he doing has, here? He has done well in the special teams drills. I will give him that. Sure. He's done a nice job. Uh, he I mean, looks plays like his he ass can, off and everything. Yeah. Yeah. He looks he like he can be competitive there. Um, but yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's, I think we're going to find out with some of these guys where the line is between, you know, what they've done in camp, what their effort level is, like how much mm-hmm. they can trust them in the locker room. I mean, some of that is to is a guy that I think they really do like. And I oh, think sure. that's why you've seen him get so many opportunities. They're just absolutely praying that it clicks and it hasn't. So now, uh, I don't know, you're in the, this kind of no man's land with him because I think Pittman and Beckett both have been better. Uh, right. Beckett lot, for sure. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> and yes. uh, Pittman played like 20 special team snaps last week and – uh, Beckett certainly could be a special teams guy for you. Uh, that, that like that they said like, he probably could play special teams right now, and I think yeah. it's actually at linebacker where they're. And I might even prefer him. Yeah, bulk right. on him. So um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I just I we've also talked about this. I think like that initial fifty three, there might be like five or six that get flipped over the day after when they waiver mm-hmm. claim some guys. Because exactly. I, I, I don't know that there are 53 guys here that are good enough to play no. in, in the NFL in week one, frankly. Like, there's a lot of guys who are kind of fringe <laughs> fringe players, but you right. can't have 30 of those guys on your That's... roster. You know, you need you can have, like, 10 of those who only play special teams. Uh, right. But, your but... ideal situation would be the final 10 is like a battle between 15 NFL ready players. And it's right, right now it's a battle between like not a two. <laughs> right. Right. Because it's linebacker. We're talking right. like cornerback. Basically, if Melifonwu has to be your number three and there's no one. Right. I mean, maybe Mike Ford. I don't. Mike Ford's another guy who I think is only is going to make it exclusively because He's of how good he is bad. on special teams. Yeah. He's been right. terrible exactly. at cornerback. Terrible. Uh, and they keep bumping him further and further down the depth chart right. there. The world's no, to go. No one, I mean, uh, safety too. Like uh, Jalen Elliott has played all right. CJ Moore is a great special teams player. Right. <laughs> he's probably right. going to make the roster because of that. The offensive line is a nightmare <laughs> behind the top five. Like if you lose one guy, maybe they have Crosby, Crosby and that's it. That's it. And he's been hurt. I know. (laughs) So, uh, like, I think Evan Brown, yes, you could trust him at center because he's played in this league before. And maybe Matt Nelson can get you, like, a few snaps. But Mm -hmm. that, I don't know what they do. Like, it feels like they could add one or two guys there. So, this is going to be really interesting over the next week. I keep waiting for him, frankly, to swing, like, a seventh-round pick for someone. Yeah. uh, Just to get... Another yeah. guy that they say, all right, that right, we'll check that box. We have our backup guard now, uh, yeah. and we haven't really seen that yet. So uh, it could be kind of a chaotic three or four days here. I think it's going to be um, – yeah, I just – I have to think so, right? Like, I, And I think that that – if it's not, I guess, then they're just going to ride it out with some of these guys and be like, whatever. He's We're going to trust Evan Brown. How about that? We're going to see what happens. <laughs> you know, like, maybe that's just what they do. But I also kind of wonder if this wasn't just the plan all along. Hey, let's just go through camp and see. Let's just see what we got with everybody that we have. Because that's part of the process here, too. Like, part of the process on a guy like when you're having a conversation about somebody like Will Harris, which we do a lot, um, is if you're a new staff, you have to 
turn over every stone there, you know? And he's a, he's a third-round pick or whatever it was. I mean, like, you can't just toss him away and say, like, we got to sign some guy off the scrap heap from wherever and get rid of hair, you know, immediately. You know? So I understand uh, riding that out right to the end with most of these guys that we've been talking about so much. But, like, yeah, when it comes down to it, what's your priority at this point? You know, is it some of these situations, I think, too, that we've talked about, Chris, like you might need to add another safety who knows what he's doing just so that your entire secondary doesn't lose all confidence when things are getting tough, right? Like those are also conversations right. that I find myself yeah, right. wondering about, you know? What about quarterback? Do you think they're keeping three there? Uh, I think you have to right yeah. now. Um, because of COVID. Um, and I think if they kept two, it would still be Boyle. And I think maybe mm. people will be mad about that. But, I mean, I they still seem excited that he's here. I haven't seen I – mean, Lynn talked yesterday about that. So, And he also noted that Boyle had to go against Pittsburgh starters and Blau didn't. Right? So I think they'll probably keep three. I mean, do, you, do you disagree or do you disagree with me on Blau over Boyle? Because I don't know about that one either. Uh, no, I mean, I think they'll keep three. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Blau's it's been hard. better, though. That's the thing. Like, I think he's been the better quarterback. He has, but, like, I don't know. I mean, Boyle physically is a better prospect still. And he's. I think they're the same age, more or less. So, I, you know, I don't know. Yeah. That, I don't know if they're going to cut Boyle. That's fair. Yeah, I don't know. It's a hard one to read at that position. Maybe they just keep. I think I've been operating all along like they were going to keep all three. So maybe that's the way they go. I with think it. so too. Yeah, I think they will. What about Stenberg? What's your thoughts on uh, him? At and this maybe point? he's your he's backup guard. That might yeah. be your guy. Do, yeah. Do you think? I mean, he could be one you talked about. Guys winning jobs on Friday yeah. night. Maybe that's him. It could be. I mean, I think he's been better for sure. Which is yeah, he's been better. Something <laughs> got into a, got into a fight yesterday too, right? Or I think yeah, he, he was. I think he was right in there with Matt Nelson <laughs> yeah, right. and Rashad yeah. Berry and all those guys. Um, so there you go. Yeah, I, I don't know. He's a hard one for me because I talk about those not having an interior guy, and Crosby's been playing some there, and Matt Nelson's mm-hmm. been playing some there. But I I don't know how early do you want to bail on a young prospect who maybe can give you something if you keep him around and i think you said this like two weeks ago when we were talking about this like on the show we've seen nothing from him (laughs) like we've seen logan stenberg for two preseason games that's it yeah he's done we just don't know you know in a lot of ways and he said that too you know he said yes uh like i played two snaps last year we didn't really have a pre we didn't have a preseason camp Mm -hmm. was Kind of all over the place, and then I didn't play you know, at all in the regular season. I didn't really take any reps with the first team, so didn't do anything. Yeah, it's a lost year for him. I mean, he's like a redshirt freshman at this point, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if you want to just told you know toss in, and if it's again, if it's a situation where it's like, well, no one else here is good. Is good. <laughs> I mean, so like, yeah. do you just keep the young guy? And but it's also you know it creates these issues as you go down the road where there's certain guys that you're not going to want to give up on that you might have to because, you know, maybe you maybe somebody comes open and available too that we haven't thought about that would be an enticing ad for them. Is there anybody out there would there be a cut you could, could you could see them exploring that would be someone who would just be more than a stopgap or would you think like these are just guys that they'd be looking for 
that are just like whatever, just get us through the year and we move on in that situation? Uh, it's a good question. I mean, I think it probably depends on obviously the situation. If, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. I mean, I think if there's a young guy that they're familiar with, you mm-hmm. could look at him like so. That's the Rams, Saints, mm-hmm. Eagles, Chargers. Like if there's a young guy in one of those rosters who uh, gets the boot. Right. And you could say, well, we still could develop him and be here for a while. I think that they could take a look. Otherwise, I don't know the benefit of maybe a corner or safety. That's what I was wondering. Offensive line. I guess there's some benefit in having a stopgap just to make sure you're not flailing all season. Yeah. But I don't know how many of those guys you want to bring in versus, yeah, just using Stenberg or. Yeah. Yeah. I don't or know. Will Harris, or if it's just a matter of <laughs> or, like, yeah, hey, or CJ Moore or Elliot or something. Yeah, put him out there and see what happens. Like, I mean, maybe that's what you know. I but until you can anymore, I guess maybe that's maybe that's what it comes down to. Because that's another thing too is like, there's no, you know, there's no record expectation here. It's not like they have to go win eleven games. So I mean, if they can experiment with things too and see what happens, I mean, maybe that's what they do. Maybe right. that's what they do. I mean, right. nothing's really final in that sense, you know. Uh. All right, let's hit a couple of these questions we got okay. from uh, Twitter, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, so we had a couple about free agency, which I think we kind of hit. But uh, it seems like there's been a lot of buzz on Khalif Raymond. What are the realistic mm-hmm. expectations for him this year? Yeah, like someone asked uh, whoever it was. I think it was Anthony Lynn. They asked him yesterday right about the outside receivers he's like it's Raymond and somebody's like outside he's like yes it was like yeah he's been pretty good you know like and it's been impossible to sort of ignore um I mean there's still part of me that's kind of like is he just getting open because the corners can't cover here can't cover him or are we going to see more of that in games I don't know but it's been impossible to ignore that he he's been he's been their most consistent guy I guess I mean probably probably top to bottom in terms of getting open, finishing plays, he's run different routes. He's made you know deep shots, as you said. So I would think he's going to play a lot. Um, I don't know how else we look at that. I mean, would you disagree with that? No, I like I said, I think they've been using him outside with some of this stuff, and so I think yeah, it, I don't know how that's going to go. Played a little but... bit there in his career, but yeah, I, I don't. I, he's been really good. I don't know what the volume will be for him in this offense, but he's been really, really good for them. And so I think yeah, even just as someone that. Goff can throw the ball to when things are kind of breaking down. Uh, maybe and he's a great example, guy. too, for the team, I think. Like, he came in here and just grinded a job out, you know, like out of right. nothing. Just was a guy who just showed up and just stole a job. You know, I mean, that's what he did. And I think that you reward that and you let everybody else know, like, we're going to reward that here. And, you know, I think that he's he's earned that for sure. Uh, so another one here, based on preseason and training camp, would you say you're more or less optimistic about this team than before and why? Well, I mean, are we talking about this for this season or are we talking about like long term? Because for this season, it's the same. <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't <laughs> expect them to be good and I don't know what that looks like. But I mean, like I don't expect them to be good. It's about what I thought it would be in terms of their talent level and the questions they have and all that stuff. I don't think I was surprised by any of the things that we've seen from that standpoint. Long term, I'm still, you know, I'm still on the hopeful train for them because like we've talked about before, all of those draft picks to this point uh, have done something that has been encouraging. The quarterback situation is still hanging there, but like that's kind of how I look at it. That's an interesting question, though, because I would ask you the same thing. Are they worse or 
or a little bit better than you <laughs> thought they would be for this year. And then overall, uh, as we end camp here, I mean, that's a fair question, right? What's your read and gauge as we're about to hit month nine of Brad Holmes and uh, Dan Campbell? I think the defense could be better than I thought it was going to be. But yeah, that's I fair. say that in acknowledging that the secondary still could be a problem for yeah. them a lot of weeks. Uh, still but could think, be the worst in the league. Right. I <laughs> think the easily. front seven... <laughs> Could be pretty good. And we had a question about whether Flowers and the Okoras and all those guys have been making the transition to the outside linebacker spot. Uh, And I think it's looked pretty smooth so far, especially Romeo Okora looks pretty comfortable there. He's been in the backfield all the time. He looks pretty good dropping. Like, I think that that's going to be fine for those guys. Julian Okora is certainly athletic enough to do it. Austin Bryant's been really good. So I think that that has worked. Um I, I think I'm with you. Like this to me still feels like it's going to be a rough year and a yeah. more positive outlook beyond that. So I guess that's good. I guess that's what you want. It's hard this to, year, right? yeah, it's, it's hard to look at still. And I guess we'll see in these last round of cuts, it's hard to look at anything they've done from a transactional standpoint or, you know, choices they made for who they want to develop and who they don't. It's hard to look at any of that and argue, but it's also like a lot of those have still been sort of obvious decisions and, some of that might continue here as they go forward. But if if you make the obvious decision, you know, hey, it's better than we've seen in some times here in the yeah. past. So we can't argue with that. Uh, all right. One more here from uh, Jeremy Girardi, I believe mm-hmm. is how we pronounce this. Uh, what's the read and the organization of, uh, he mentioned a Mike Lombardi critique, which I haven't heard, so I can't speak directly to it, but of of Chris Spielman acting like a quasi-coach <laughs> on this team, and that's something we've noticed throughout <laughs> camp. Do you... Mark DeLeon's uh, best friend. What do you think about that? What do you think about Spielman being so involved out there when he's not technically part of this coaching staff? Well, I would say that we don't see everything. Um, so I would – I don't know what it's like every day. I don't know if he's overstepping or not uh, or if he's just kind of out – What you know, I'm hanging out and want to see what's going on. And part of that is also, I think, what uh, – he's being paid to do right is to sort of monitor what's happening here as best he can and report back (laughs) to uh rod wood i guess that's his job so but no i mean it it, it's been no i mean he's been out there almost every day i just about all i think um i'm sure there's been some days where he wasn't out there but he's the days that he is out there he um Spends time holding the bag, you know, or whatever for DeLeon if they're doing linebacker drills or <laughs> picking up footballs or whatever, yeah. talking to Derek Barnes or whatever it is. He's not in the way, but, I mean, he's he's definitely around, and he's Spielman. I mean, like, this is about what I figured it would be, right? I think that's – part of that, too, I think, is you have to kind of know his personality, right? Like, that's just – that's to me, part of that is funny because it's just Spielman being around football. I think that's what he likes to do. I mean, they had to know what they were getting into. Yeah, I think so. Him. Like, he wasn't going to go sit in his office while they were having no, training camp. God, no. He's going to be Absolutely there, not. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I think, like you said, he's been in Barnes' ear for four or five months. So as long as the messages there are consistent with what he's getting from Mark sure. Leone and from Aaron Glenn and everyone, that's a big help. That's an Another experienced wrong with that. NFL linebacker who knows what he's talking about. So um, I would also say that I get the sense – that this coaching staff and regime would not hesitate to <laughs> talk no. to someone if they were overstepping. Yeah. I feel Absolutely. like Dan Campbell, Absolutely. and probably in a very respectful way, I feel like he would 
yeah. get on that pretty quickly. You so I don't think this yeah, is right. like, oh my God, what? Spielman's out here again? What is he doing out here? Like, I think that they are fine with right. it. Yeah, I, that's the best point to make, is I don't think Dan Campbell or Aaron Glenn or Anthony Lynn would have any problem being like, respectfully, sir, I need you to leave the room right now. I really don't. I don't think that any of those three yeah. would have a problem with that. And I don't know that that's happening either. I don't know that it's it's to a point where that is a situation or whatever. But um, I can see where people would maybe guess, right, or think that um, just on the outside looking in. But that's the best point to make is what Chris just said. Like, I don't think the staff would have trouble. And nor do I think Spielman would care if they were like, hey, man, like he would understand, I would think, in, in most in almost every instance, I would yeah. I would assume. I mean, there are a lot of big personalities on this coaching staff. And that's oh, yeah. going to be one of the things to see is just how they interact the rest of the way. Like, it's all fine now. and Yeah. But, yeah, we'll see. I, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I don't we'll think see. that there'd be a problem with that. I really don't. Like, I mean, you look around at just the guys that are out there every day. Like, I don't think people have problem communicating those types of things with each other. I mean, you could even look at a guy like Lomas. Lomas is out there every day. Like, if Spielman was, like, doing things that – if he was getting overzealous, I could even see like Lomas being like, you need to back off Spielman. <laughs> like, I think that's just how it is now, you know? Like, I think people are more free to speak, you know, and free to share their thoughts. And uh, and that includes everybody, I think. And they're right. all listened to. I think that's been the theme, you know? And it's so. still Chris Spielman. Like, it's not like yeah, Rob Woods it's Spielman, pulling Derek Barnes off the say, side. Yeah, right. <laughs> What's wrong with that? Like, it's like when we see... Uh, Sewell, stop and talk to Lomas. Like, nobody's complaining about that. It's just, you know, I think it's fine. I think as long as, like you said, as long as it's consistent with what the message is that the staff is giving them, I mean, you know, he's one of the best players that's ever played here. There's nothing wrong with that. All right, so uh, we will be... I don't know. Are we going to record Tuesday next week? People keep yelling at us because of this. I think we have to next week. Well, no, we don't either. (laughs) I don't know. We have one more week. Yeah, next week we're clear to record whenever we feel like. Uh, We will record next week. How about that? We don't know what day. But (laughs) when the first game week happens. They have cuts on Tuesday, so I don't want to commit. Uh, We'll We'll go Tuesdays during the first game week and from there on out. Yeah, we'll let you know next week. They have cuts Tuesday, final preseason game coming up this Friday against the Colts. We'll see a lot of those backups trying to win jobs. And then, uh, yeah, we'll we'll be back next week to break down sort of what happened with those cuts, what happened in that game, and sort of where things are as they head into the regular season. So uh, here we go. I'm glad camp's (laughs) over, personally. I am glad camp's (laughs) over, too. I like watching all that stuff. Um, more than probably most people, even including in a week like this where I've got 37 different stories uh, publishing at the same time. But like, yeah, I was like, okay, yesterday by like <laughs> the second hour there, I was like, ah, okay, we can wrap this up. I think we're done. And I yeah. think the team was pretty much done with it too, to yeah. be quite honest. But you know, you get to a point of diminishing returns on all yeah. of that. I think so. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, yeah. Like I said, we'll be back next week, probably Wednesday next week after cuts happen, so we can get a feel for where the roster's at, and then every Tuesday, uh, once the Lions get into the regular season. So um, that'll be you know the week before the opener, and then on through the whole season, it'll be every Tuesday. So uh, any ch- other changes, we'll let you know about on Twitter. You can find us the usual spots: Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. Rate us, review us, subscribe. Let us know if you have any further questions on on Twitter. We can bring those up in the show next week, too. So we'll end it there. Thanks, everyone, for listening. For Nick, I'm Chris, and we'll talk to you soon.